The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio with your host, Ann Gelsheimer. We are entering higher levels of consciousness with both old and new spiritual technologies to help us be the people we've always dreamed of being. We can make the choice to evolve in consciousness and become the change the world needs today. Now, here is Ann Gelsheimer. Hello, this is your host, Ann Gelsheimer, and welcome to Conscious Evolution Radio. We have one of my favorite speakers today as a guest, Mr. Daniel Brinkley. I promise you will love this interview because what he has to say is some of the most important information that we could possibly receive during this lifetime. It is so fun listening to him speak, but what Daniel says is truly profound. But before I tell you a little bit more about Daniel Brinkley, I need to tell you about a big event coming up, and I'll be there along with Daniel and many other wonderful speakers. It's called the Conscious Life Expo in Los Angeles from February 6th to the 9th at the LAX Hilton. If you can attend in person, you could actually uh, meet Daniel in person at his workshop. That's on Sunday at 12 o'clock. There will also be other excellent speakers like Richard Dolan, Paula Harris, Greg Braden, and many more. And please, if you do go in person, drop by my little booth. I'll be in the uh, Pacific Ballroom. Conscious Evolution Radio will be there. And uh, please say hello or drop by my own. Uh, I have a free talk that I'm giving very late on Sunday night uh, about human-initiated contact with extraterrestrials, focusing on how we do that and why it's an important thing to do. But if you can't travel to L.A., Conscious Life Expo is now able to come to you via online interactive live stream. You can purchase an all-access keynote pass for only $99. That is a good price. Or you could purchase just a pass for specific panel discussions or keynote workshops. So if you're interested in that, you can take a look at their website. It's www.conscious.com consciouslifeexpo.com I think we're going to have a banner on the network site here so you can just click click on that and then click on the live stream menu okay so now more importantly we're going to be back here to talk about my wonderful guest Daniel Brinkley Daniel is the New York Times best-selling author of Save by the Light At Peace in the Light and Secrets of the Light This amazing trilogy chronicles his three unprecedented near-death experiences. Daniel has appeared on every major national television and radio show as a popular guest. For over 35 years, Daniel has been captivating audiences worldwide with his humor and his simple message, Life is eternal. There's no such thing as death. Daniel's near-death experiences and subsequent panoramic life reviews ingrained in him a deep sense of service and compassion. That's why he's been a hospice volunteer for 34 years, has spent more than 30,000 hours at the bedside of dying veterans, and has been with many, many people as they drew their final breath. 
1997, he founded the Twilight Brigade, Compassion in Action, in Los Angeles, California. Now, I first began reading about Daniel's experiences many years ago when I was leading a group for persons with cancer and their caregivers. As you can imagine, a cancer diagnosis brings up fears of dying. But when I shared Daniel's experiences of clinically dying and coming back with all the helpful information that he brought, this opened up wonderful discussions with the group on who we are as spiritual beings in temporary physical form. So, Daniel, I want to thank you so much for generously sharing the wisdom you gained by dying so many times and welcome you to Conscious Evolution Radio. Well, thank you, Anne, but I had it coming. <laughs> everything, that, everything that's ever happened to me, I had it coming. You know, and they have to kill me every 10 or 12 years just to keep me interested. So well, I found the, that to be pretty exciting. You are the only person I know who's died three times and can consciously talk about it. So, yeah, but, you know, they spaced it out over 22 years. Struck by lightning, dead for 28 minutes, completely paralyzed for six days, partially paralyzed for seven months, two years to learn to walk and feed myself. And I had the first near-death experience, but it happened 40 years ago, Ann. 40 years ago, I went from being a complete prick to discovering that we are great, powerful, and mighty spiritual beings with dignity, direction, and purpose. And the life in this particular dimension is a gift. It is a reward for achieving great, powerful, and mighty status as a spiritual being. Then you get a life. You earn the right to have a life here. And once I realized that, then I kept studying and looking at this process we call death. Like you said earlier, when you have a panoramic life review, and I've had three of them, and roughly about 17% of people have this in the near-death experience. People say their life passed before them, but it was not as specific as mine. Mine was, I saw my entire life pass before me in a 360-degree panorama. I watched it from a second-person point of view as though I was my own best friend, looking at some of the smart things I've done, but looking at some of the stupid things I've done. And then I literally became every person I'd ever encountered, and I felt the direct results of my interaction between me and that person. I became them. And what I discovered from that, Anne, was I got tired of hitting my own self in the face. <laughs> and then came this point. If God, I'll use that word, or if the, if the divine could not come today, and the divine sent you, in the life you just reviewed, what difference did you and divinity make? So based on that, that is the program that I have watched. I watched three times. I decided that I had better quit just being a hospice volunteer, and I had better create an organization that would create a way that people could, when looking at uh, transition, that everybody's going to bereave, Ann. But people do not have to structure guilt as a part of their life. So I decided that if God couldn't come today and God sent me in the life I just reviewed, the difference that me and God made was we created a process that interwove the, the, the near-death experience into a conscious program to help those who you love and who love you make the right decisions. But the other thing, too, Ann, is this. Like my lecture at the Conscious Life Exo, 
If everybody ever read Saved by the Light, then they realize that I chronologued what became to know as the boxes of knowledge. The future events that I wrote down in 1976, because it took me like a year and a half before I could uh, function, you know, completely right. paralyzed for six days, partially paralyzed for seven months, and two years to learn to walk and feed myself. Wow. But so now we are in in the shift. You know it. Everybody who speaks knows it. We're watching the dramatic shift in consciousness and a new period being born to the Maya. It's the 14th Bhaktun. And as the shift goes, how well we handle it and how well we look at it and how we spiritually observe it becomes the critical juncture in the life of every human being, every spiritual being in human form on this earth. So I'm always happy to... Although this is really going to get weird in this next three years, it's about giving us the opportunity to understand our deep, divine, spiritual self in a world that is going to become chaos. And we chose to be here at this time, and we chose to be present at this point, because this is the time and point we can make the greatest difference. And so, as it all weirds out, the joy of participating in the in the shift, and how to navigate the shift has become the subject matter that I deal with now for the next three years. That is so exciting. I think what, so. What what kinds of things can we do that make a difference? Because I know you have a perspective that's so unique. Well, I mean, you have to look at it. We First, you have to take responsibility. We chose to be here at this time because mm-hmm. we are the people who can make the difference. We are the light bearers. And as the world that we have known in the the 20th century disappears, from the 19th century and the 20th century disappears, we're entering a new period, a brand new uh, conscious evolution. Here we are. And it's how we view it. We either would view it in terror and fear, and we will create and manifest perpetual war, or we'll look at it in peace. So we stand at the precipice of a world war or world peace, and everybody has to take a grip on it. You only have this period of time. You have 2015 and a part of 2016. I mean, that's where you have. We've been in this since last year, September the 27th, 2014. The shift began consciously, and here we are. So why I like the Conscious Life Expo, and I like all the presenters, because not everybody in gets it from the same person. You can say it, and somebody would get it, and I could say the same thing, and they would get it from me. You have to find the kind of person that comes across with the information that empowers your heart, that opens up your consciousness, that allows you to be the person you chose to be here before you came. So we've introduced the idea now of this of a possible world war, and people might be feeling scared and wondering what they can do as individuals. What what would you suggest? You would you would absolutely believe this, and you talk about it every day. War must be thought unconscionable. It must be thought that way. We we're now our democracies are attacking so called democracies or representative republics are attacking religions. When that becomes into place, like what we now, the Islam, and every time we use that term, we're polarizing consciousness. 
terrorism is terrorism. And how you deal with terrorism is in spiritual consciousness. Do not be afraid. Mm-hmm. No one ever dies. It does not happen. And once you realize that, then whatever actions that are taken that's supposed to make you afraid of pain or make you afraid of of fear does not exist as a value concept. It does not. I'm an old Marine. I understand war. And I spent two years learning to walk and feed myself. And for 40 years, I have lived in enormous pain. And I've been at the bedside of 2,008 people going from this world to the next and 340 taking their last breath with more than 32,000 hours at the bedside. And I've been there three times myself. So I speak from that specific place in consciousness. Hey, everybody, if you read Chapter 5 in Saved by the Light... And you realize that some of the wildest stuff I said 40 years ago that I wrote in a book 20 years ago are all coming to pass. That means everything else I'm saying to you is the truth. So what I'm going to do in this presentation is I'm going to walk people through it. Hey, everybody, we're in the shift. This is what's happening. This is why it's happening. And this is what's going to happen. Now, make your plans accordingly, and then I'll make suggestions uh, I can't tell people what to do, Ann, because that's not a part of the spiritual unfoldment of the pathways that each individual takes. Mm-hmm. But we can make suggestions. This right. is what I think you should do based on this action. This is what I think you should do based on this action. This is what I think you shouldn't do based on this action. We must think war unthinkable. When our biggest fear now is what's called ISIL. Yes. Okay. Well, ISIL is an American creation. The same as Al-Qaeda. Anybody who doesn't think that we created it, that it's funded by us, is either ignorant or not paying attention to the reality of what's going on around them. We have to look deeper into the game, man, so that our spiritual self becomes conscious of the what, what appears to be the mental, physical actions that are occurring. And moving beyond fear, that that's the key thing, whether it's fear of death or fear of terrorism, but finding a way to live in a, in a different state of consciousness. Well, moving past the fear of death is easy. It's never going to happen. <laughs> right. It's and never we'll talk more going about to yeah. happen. <laughs> to be afraid of death, in our new book, in Catherine and I's new book, uh, it's called 10 Things to Know Before You Go, because you know me and you know I'm funny. You are. I mean, what are they going to do, kill me? Well, big deal. <laughs> Who does that before. scare? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we have 10 things to know in the opening pages. What's the number one cause of death in America and most other countries? You turn to the next page, and it's a, and a big question mark, and you turn to the next page. It says, no matter what you thought, birth is the number one cause of death. Oh, that's funny. And then you turn to the next page. It says, remember. If you're breathing, you're leaving, and this book is for you. And if you just took a breath, this book is for you. And the last page says, remember, aspire to inspire before you expire. And it's the ten things that you can base your whole life on. The next chapters, there really is somewhere to go. You know, and then everybody's going there, and you need to be appreciated. In your life, you do only four things. If you look at everything that you do in your life, it's based on four things. Four. 
and I, I, I put the questions across to people so that they can try to tell me one thing that they've ever done in their life that wasn't based on one of these four things outside of fear-driven. Fear-driven is the trap. If you keep people afraid, they give away their freedom and their spiritual focus. Well, when you rebel against that, and most it's pain and death, because we have pharmacology, and since 1929 when penicillin and antibiotics came into existence, and the improvement in the quality of chemistry and pharmacology, we have begun to think we want to live to be immortal. And I was listening to this guy, I was on a talk show with this guy, and he said that if you followed his diet, you could learn to live to be 125 years old. And the uh, the moderator said, well, Daniel, what do you think about it? I said, I think the guy should be put in prison and all of his books should be burned. <laughs> and why is that? Because who wants to live to be 125 years old? Yeah, and he's <laughs> That's true. crazy. That's true. Okay, so what we're gonna we're gonna take a quick uh, break, uh, and then we're gonna come back, and I'd love to cover again a little bit more about what happens when you die. I know you've told it a million times, but for some people, it might be it might be new information. So this is Ann Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and we'll be right back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Become a member of VoiceAmerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Ask Theo Live, channels to a new reality. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live, channels to a new reality, Tuesday at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to ConsciousEvolutionRadio at gmail.com. Again, that's ConsciousEvolutionRadio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. 
Hi, this is your host, Ann Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio. Welcome back. And we're talking with Danyan Brinkley. And I've just asked Danyan if he would talk to us a little bit about his experiences of leaving his body. He had, for those of you who are just joining us, he's had three near-death experiences. Um, they're documented. He's come back with amazing recall of experiences he had on the other side, and it's so profound when he describes it. Daniel, would you tell us a bit about those experiences? Sure. One death and two near-death experiences, Anne. Oh, thank uh, you. Okay. When they got me to the hospital on the paperwork, I was struck by lightning. I was talking on the telephone, and I was hit in the head by a bolt of lightning. It went down my spine. It welded the nails of the heels in my bass regions to the nails in the floor. Threw me in the air, suspended me in the air, and then slammed me back down on the bed. When they got me to the hospital, in the emergency room, it said, patient unconscious, patient not breathing, no EKG. They rolled me into a room. Now, I don't remember all of that because I wasn't there. When the a paramedic was in the ambulance, I heard him say, he's gone, he's gone. And I thought, gone where? I'm here, the paramedics here, the lumps there. You know, my body was there. But you people have to remember, when you lift out of your body, there is no pain. I was burning and on fire, and I was paralyzed. And the flash of the ball of lightning that came through the ball of fire that came through the room burnt my eyes so I couldn't see. And all of a sudden, I lift out of my body. I could see. I could move. I felt safe and comfortable. It's been this way through three times. It's the same basic structure. It's not always identical, but it's the basic structure. When you're left out of your body, all of a sudden you realize what your heartbeat means because you don't breathe anymore. You pulse, just like why your blood pressure should be 120 over 80. It's a little lower than that when you're over there. And you're absorbing energy and pushing energy out. You're like a little transformer. But you are no way interested in the life you just left. People say, oh, God, blah, blah, blah. You don't care. You're so happy to get out of that bag of water, you don't know what to do. Because you know it's your time. Nobody goes before there's their time. There's no such thing as an accident, everybody. You come here and you may be here a day, or you may be here 110 years. You're either teaching something or you're learning something. Or you're preparing something for someone who will come after you. Or you're closing something for someone who came before you. This is all there is to this life. But it's a celebration. It's, a, it's an award for a job well done in other dimensional planes and other reality. So when someone tells you you're going to die, forget that. That is an utter conversation with a lunatic. Second or an uninformed individual. Second, you are a spiritual being. I can prove that you've never left heaven. I can prove it. And I can use quantum physics and show you that it's impossible to believe 60% of the religious connotation that you've trapped your mental, physical self in as a perspective. It's just not true. And you can use replicable science. Do I believe in God? Absolutely. Do I believe in a divine force? Absolutely. I've never seen God in three of my adventures, but I saw where she lives, and she has a really nice place over there. Okay. What did you see? 
now when you get over there, you have you meet your relatives and your friends. I've never met any relatives and friends because that's just to let you know what kind of person I was growing up. Mm-hmm. No one ever came to meet me, and I understand why after a life review because I've always been such a prick. But I can appreciate it. But you meet your relatives and friends. You become comfortable and acclimated over there because you don't think over there like you think over here. Over here, you think and analyze. Over there, you precede, you conceive and then perceive it. You conceive of a thought pattern and then you perceive the exact answer. You know, it's like having a computer that's built inside. The joyous thing about it, Anne, is this. You feel that you're a part of something, but you also feel that it's a part of you. We all want to be loved, and that's an odd concept in the world of physiological, emotional pain, a reality. But over there, when you talk about love, you feel love because you're giving and receiving. It's a, it's the heartbeat, it's the pulse, the ebb and flow of reality. You, you are aware of it as well as it is aware of you. That is the joy of waiting to pass from this world to the next, where you reconnect with your true spiritual self. This is a job that is a reward. This was a gift. And we chose to be here at the shift in consciousness. So our thought patterns either will be fear or celebration. It will be war or peace. And that will set the tone for the next at least 52 years. And if I'm right, it'll be based on the Maya and some of the Toltec-Aztec premise. It will be the next 125 years. And it depends on each of us today and what we do in the next two years. I think that's pretty exciting. That's very exciting and, and very much a, it's a huge responsibility. Do you know who, who are the people who are coming in right now? Do you know anything about their souls in particular? Well, we're old fighters. Okay. We are the unemployed dragon slayers. <laughs> you know, okay. we, this is our job. Our job is to stand up for truth and integrity and to recapture. Think about this. <sighs> If you look at the most successful people in America in business, they're all narcissistic sociopaths. And what we've done is created the godless capitalist concept. And within the course of it, we raise our children to become narcissistic sociopaths. And that's the successful measure. I, 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 me, 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 all of me, no matter what the cost to anyone else. Monsanto, look at these kind of companies. Look at this. Terrible, yes. And when we all look at it and see it, but are we consciously doing something about it? No. Are some people? Yes. So what we have to do is drive people toward looking at these these concepts and forming their own opinion. What do you think about GMOs? What do you think about war? What do you think about starvation? Right now at Davos, right now, the next two years of the unfoldment of their plan, terror, war, starvation, is being unfolded. And what we're doing on this show and what we're doing at this particular juncture, we're talking about the spiritual part. The part says, yes, this is going to happen, and yes, it's going on, and yes, they're evil as they can be. But then who are we? We come to a Conscious Life Expo. 
We meet all the people we get to see and give you a big hug and kiss. We get to see like-minded people trying to find their particular niche. Mine is palliative and end-of-life care. My role in this life and what I do is to bring awareness to palliative and end-of-life care so that spiritual consciousness becomes embedded within the concept of the fact that we will pass from this world to the next, and 80% of the crap we hear is not true. And I have a saying, the only difference between God and a doctor, you know what it is? What's that? God never thinks she's a doctor. Oh, that's funny. (laughs) (laughs) And you look at affordable health care, and you look at what it is, it's a redistribution of wealth. I am a believer in national health care, no question. But the one that we have takes control of one-sixth of the economy. And to not look at it from that point of view, from a spiritual point of view, and that it will be initiated, and there's nothing anybody's going to do about it, then we have to take care of ourselves. This is what we have to do. We come together, and we look at the kind of foods that we eat, and look at the kind of communities we want to be a part of, and then we become a part of those communities. And we hope that we gather fast enough, spiritually focused enough, to overpower the system that is trying to be placed upon us. Now, what do you say to people who know maybe they've done things they're not proud of or they're worried about dying and being held accountable? What do you say to them uh, when you're assisting them to make that transition? It's all nonsense. Nothing happens. You're going to face whatever it is you did. You're going to see it pass before you in a 360-degree panorama. You're going to watch it from a second-person point of view. You're literally going to be every person that you've ever encountered. So everybody you ever hurt, you're going to feel how much you hurt them. But everybody you've ever helped, you're going to also feel that. Mm -hmm. Then you have to look at it. What difference did you and God make? If people would just understand that, Anne, their life would balance. And if they would read Secrets of the Light... I sat down with Cat after probably eighteen or nineteen hundred people. I know what people talk about in the end of their life. Mm-hmm. I have tens of thousands of hours at the bedside. Not dozens, not hundreds, not thousands. Tens of thousands of hours. Right. Talking to people. Three hundred and forty taking their last breath. Think about it. I know what they talk about. I know what's real and what's not real. People who think they're going to be based on their sinners and the great book of judgment, it's called the panoramic life review. Mm-hmm. And people think that that's not fair. Well, think about Hitler. He had to be six million people. He's still probably going through the life review. Right. So when you That'd start to think about that, if I didn't go to hell, nobody you know is going to hell. <laughs> I am your prime person. That should be going to hell. I grew up a tough guy, bad boy. I'm a big guy. You know me. I'm six foot four. Mm-hmm. I weigh 232 pounds. I wear a size 50 coat. I mean, and I grew up this way. Sports, played, played sports, Marine Corps. And I was just a prick. I never believed any of this stuff until one day I was struck by lightning. And I think that, and what gave me this joy was, most people don't know this. That where Dr. Raymond Moody, who wrote the book Life After Life, who coined the phrase near-death experience, which is now an integral part, 40 years later, of the American medical consciousness. What the hospital they brought me to was where he was going to medical school. 
And okay. I spent 20 years with Raymond. Right, right. So I've been here since the beginning of this movement. Yes, his, his work was so important in, in, in acknowledging near-death experiences. Well, it was, it was Raymond, the philosopher. You know, he's an M.D., Yes. He is a PhD in philosophy. He's an MD and a and a psychiatrist. And when you combine all of that with someone with the kind of sense of humor that Raymond, you know Raymond. If you know Raymond, Raymond's a little crazy, like all psychiatrists. But when you combine it, you see brilliance, and you see something that he could not philosophically or medically or psychiatrically write off as a phenomena of people who were clinically resuscitated. And once he started looking at it, and he came across people like me and Vi and Andy, people who had absolutely no nothing to gain except to be ridiculed for coming forward. But I didn't care. You think I care if anybody thinks I got, when I was struck by lightning, if I had a near-death experience? I have absolutely no concern whatsoever. Right. It's an idiot. I mean, excuse me, that's a person that's quietly uninformed. <laughs> right. And whether I had a near-death experience doing open-heart surgery, giving me nine months, and whether I had a near-death experience, that was 13 years later, and whether I had a near-death experience seven years later in 1997, where I had to have brain surgery, was given less than a 10% chance to survive. I went into three hours of surgery. I spent 41 hours in the recovery room. I came out of recovery and had a massive grand mal seizure and was put in the neurocardiac ward on life support. And I'm supposed to think what somebody thinks about that has any opinion to me. That's funny. Right. It's really, really meaningless. So what else? Uh, we're just going to take a, another break in about a minute or two. Is there something else you'd like to share about being on the other side that you know, how it's changed your perspective or how you've lived your life. Sure. So I know, I remember you talking about how the very little things were so much more important, uh, a smile to a person, um, you know, an offer to help. Maybe you could talk to us a little bit about what you saw were truly significant spiritual actions. Well, it's very simple. It's not the big things. It's not being sold in millions and millions and millions of books. It's those quiet moments at the bedside end. Mm. It's just me and them. And they're having to make those kind of decisions about what to do, and they're afraid. Those quiet moments between me and that person is all that really matters to me. And I've been with thousands because that's what matters for everybody else. And maybe they're not like me because I'm not afraid of any of it. And I've been through it so many times, and I've studied it for 40 years. 40 years mm. I've been doing this. If you want to make your life perfect, how many times in a day do you create to say you're welcome? It's not that the person tells you thank you, but that you created an action. That if they said thank you, you could say you're welcome. If you have four or five of those in a day, you had a good day. In, in the spiritual world, the universe does not care what you want. It only cares why you want it. It's never about what you do. It's the motive or intent for why you do it. When you know these things, your life gets simple. You have clarity. 
with clarity. You get to understand how to make the right choices and right decisions. Nobody dies. It does not happen. Nobody's going before it's their time. It does not happen. And once you accept that as the reality around you, then the only thing you can never get back is time. And if you think you've been a sinner and you've been evil and you're bad and you're going to be tormented, that's nonsense. It doesn't work like that. You're going to be every person you've ever encountered, and you can always accept Jesus Christ as your Savior in the last breath you breathe, and it does not change a thing. You still will have a panoramic life review. You will go through this four-part piece no matter what. You may not have any 71 virgins, but you will definitely have a panoramic life review. So we're going to stop right there. Thank you. Uh, we're going to take a little break, and we're going to come back and talk more about uh, being multidimensional and even life on other planets. So this is Ann Gelsheimer, Conscious Evolution Radio, and we will be right back. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Being Here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss Being Here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane, right here on the 7th Wave Network. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. tuned in to Conscious Evolution Radio, and we love to hear from you. Please send any questions or comments about the show via email to ConsciousEvolutionRadio at gmail.com. Again, that's ConsciousEvolutionRadio at gmail.com. Now, back to this week's program. This is Ann Gelsheimer, and you're listening to Conscious Evolution Radio. And my guest today is Danian Brinkley, and we have been having a fascinating conversation about events to come, as well as what happens when we make that transition over to the other side. And Danian would know because he's done it three times. So, Danian, I've heard in the past, I've heard you talk about there being intelligent life on other planets in the multiverse. And, of course, anyone who's following the information coming back from the Kepler Space Observatory knows there's so many uh, planets out there that are Earth-like, that are habitable. So that's not surprising. But I'm just wondering, um, from your side, if you could talk about anything you learned on the other side about our experiences, perhaps, on other worlds. Um, and also, 
how we're multidimensional, because I know you've talked about that as well. Well, we're absolutely multidimensional. Do I believe in extraterrestrial, extraterrestrial life? Absolutely. Do I believe that we are visited by these terrestrial beings? Absolutely. All you have to do is look at the, the, uh, the Snowden dump. Uh, Snowden, the guy who uh, stole all that information from the government, mm-hmm. right. he just released 20,000 pages of NASA. Uh, yes. NASA's pictures. I mean, buildings on the moon. The uncensored ones. (laughs) Yeah, think about it. He dumped it. NSA. Communication with with Nordics or tall white beings. Them being a part of the government. 1954 with Eisenhower going to Mars. Just read it. And this is their files. This is the NSA's files. So when you start to look at that, and you start to really pay attention. I am not so sure that we ever went to the moon. I am not so sure. Because when I look at the science of of what would have to have happened on the moon in 1969, we didn't have it. If it's 245 degrees, in on the surface of the moon, and you don't have an air conditioner, and you're in a little spot, pod, and you're inside of it, and you get out of that craft, you have to have an air conditioner. There was no no air conditioner unless some extraterrestrial, I always say God bless the Roswell spacecraft, but there would be no way to have an air-conditioned suit to withstand 245 degrees. But they say they were walking around on it. And this kind of stuff, and when you look at the tires, if you look at the tires on the uh, lunar lander, those tires are air-filled. They're not solid rubber. They're air-filled. Do you know what an air-filled tire would do in a vacuum? No, what would it do? It would crush itself. Ah. So when you look at the Land Rover, and you go to Washington, if you go to the uh, Aeronautics and Space Museum and you see this copy of it, there's completely different tires than the one on the lunar lander. But we are dimensional beings. If you look at quantum mechanics, especially the string theory and the chaos theory within quantum mechanics, and what Planky did in 1801 by saying that matter, light can be the matter or it can be energy. And you look at the research done in the multi-universe theory, it's proven. There's no more... There's no more consciousness about whether we are dimensional beings, and the near-death experience quantifies the fact that there's other dimensions that we travel to, maybe not in this body, but there's other dimensions that our conscious travels to. So we have to accept it. And if you look at the work of Casey, Casey says that we work through a certain planetary system while we are aware of these uh, there's really 14 planets instead of nine since they eliminated Pluto. <clears throat> Excuse me. Casey does this whole deal about it. I believe that we operate in frequency dimensions in other planets, in other worlds, in other places, in other times, based on what it is our job that we've chosen to do to elevate and unfold the divine plan. And we can be anywhere. Do I believe that they're, they live among us? Absolutely. It is numerically insane to think that we are the only ones here. Right. That's absolutely true. 
Now, I'm, I'm curious, did, when you were on the other side, did you get a sense that there were uh, what's called soul contracts, where there's sort of a blueprint for the big events in our life? Did you see anything like that? Sure. You make a plan. Okay. You make a plan. You see the opportunity. Uh, there's probably a billion souls trying to get into that one body, waiting to be in, brought into that being so that in the perfect example of the perfect family, the perfect plan, the perfect social, psychological, socioeconomical concept, in order for you to achieve your goals, to overcome obstacles to achieve your goals, you make a plan. It sounds pretty crazy that I made a plan to kill myself three or four times have a couple of massive heart attacks because I work off of 70% of my heart because of the lightning. I mean, that just shows you how hard-headed I am. <laughs> Stubborn man, yes. Yeah, I mean, but stupid. I'll... I don't think it's a fool. You know, incred- I think it's a fool. Incredibly but... generous, though, for you to to put yourself through that level of pain to bring back the knowledge that you've brought for us. It's an incredibly generous action. But also this, no one can tell me. I've been you. When you're dealing with these issues of palliative, which means that you can't be healed, and end of life, which is hospice, I have been you. Don't, you know, don't, mm-hmm. you can think of all those reasons of what people say, you don't know what I'm going through. Well, that doesn't work with me. I know what you're going through. That's why I created the Toilet Brigade. I can't be at the bedside of everybody, but people can take this training. They can just go to the Toilet Brigade. We're going to make it a module system so that you can, when mom comes home or when they go to the hospital, what you can do is you can just go to that module and you can sit in front of your computer and you can know what to do. Wonderful. And then you can watch the program. You can watch it unfold so that when you come home, what kind of conversations do you need to have? Kat, we're all, the whole Toilet Brigade staff, we're all working on that now. I love distance ed. That's so, it makes it so accessible for many, many more people. Yeah, anywhere in the world. I mean, this is my goal. And I will fulfill it by 217. The last thing that I was given in, like, Chapter 5 was spiritualistic capitalism, which is me writing books and supporting the Twilight Brigade. I didn't want to become, uh, I did come about pretty good, but I didn't want to become that. I wanted to show that you could, you could build and do something, which is writing things that I see and observe, and then fund a program which is called the Twilight Brigade. And that's spiritualistic capitalism. It's never going to be about me. It's going to be about the work, which is how people should focus on whatever their job is or whatever they feel like doing. And then to build the centers. You know, people, I had two things that they sent me back to do. The center program was to create a way that people who are in grief and bereavement are those who are in palliative. There is no hope. They can get a preview of what it is they're going to go through before they go. Or they can come and go if they're really grieving, like been married 50 years and you miss your husband or your wife. You can get back in contact with them. It's an eight-step mm-hmm. program. It's in Saved by the Light. It's been the two driving things and that my life has been predicated on. And I'm on target. Beautiful. I love that. Now, Daniel, I know when you when you came back, you also experienced heightened empathic and psychic abilities, and I, I know many others who've had near death experiences that happened to them too. How did that change your life? That that must be very different for you. Well, it's easy, and I went from never believing any of it. Thought it was foolishness. Well, I always say this: first, I, first, I never believed it. 
The next day I was dead. The day after that I became everything I never believed. So I never had a period of doubt. I went from total, complete no belief into how does it work. And then how did it develop itself? Because when I'm at the bedside, I don't have all the time in the world to find out about that person. I, I don't have time. I need to listen to their stories because a person needs three things when they're passing. They need to know their life had to have value. They need an art form of transition, and they need permission. So in the course of being at the bedside and paying attention to their breathing techniques and listening to the tone in their voice, I become heightened in the senses because it's to be of service to help them make the right decisions and to find that their life had value and to be able to consciously use the art form of listening as the art of transition because most of the time people just need to hear themselves talk and somebody give a crap about what they're saying and they'll work it out themselves right so what happened was i began to be conscious i mean i would pick up people's thoughts in rooms and i couldn't go around people and i couldn't ever understand why the whole world was depressed you know, I would sit in the car while uh, my friends would go shopping, and I would watch people going in the grocery store. And how in the heck can you be depressed going shopping? <laughs> but we we have a fear based psychology of religions, institutions, and governments to always telling us that we're unworthy. If you're a great, powerful, and mighty spiritual being with dignity, direction, and purpose, which is I will defend that any place, anywhere, by the definitions of those words against anybody. There is only one thing that can ever go wrong in your life, and that you let something affect your dignity. Then you lose your direction, and then your purpose fades, and you become a part of the system that is controlling you, as opposed to being the part of the system that innovates it. Can you give me an example of what that might look like when someone lets their dignity be affected? Well, religions, institutions, and government, you were born in sin. What some people were doing in the desert 6,000 years ago, you were responsible for it. Okay? When Adam and Eve, then when Cain slew Abel, okay, that means you were born a sinner. And we grow up in that religious perspective, and you, you subconsciously, and then you get subverted by the government. Look at our government. Our government has this $18 trillion in debt. I mean, it's like every man, woman, and child in America owes like a half a million dollars. And that is supposed to be sane, and these are the people we elect. And what does that do? And that if I can't find a job, think about it. These things create whole ways that affect your dignity. You can't supply, you can't put up, you look hard for a job, you try to make good wages, you try to be innovative. What happens? The system is about 1% controlling all the wealth as opposed to everybody having that opportunity. And then you're going to hell on top of that. Please. I didn't go to hell, so nobody I know is going. It's crazy. When you live where I live, Ann, and you look at it from the way I look at it, then you see so much insanity. And we have to stop the insanity. We are great, powerful, and mighty spiritual beings. We have dignity, direction, and purpose. If you sit down today and you see what's affecting your dignity, then you regain your direction and you regain your purpose. Mine is that no one needs to die alone. That's true. 
Now, I, I know you have a new book coming out, too. I just wanted to mention that for people, uh, The Ten Things to Know Before You Go. When do you, when do you think that's going to be available It'll for us? It'll probably be uh, probably winter, because I had to rewrite it. Here's, I was getting too serious. And, you know, I'm, I mean, I always sound serious, but I'm not really serious because I don't care. But I was watching, I was writing, and I was seeing how so much of what I watched in affordable health care and what we're doing now in chemistry and what we're doing now is control mechanisms. And I was getting serious. And so I went back. I mean, I finished the book, but I went back, and I had to lighten it up. It took another year. I had to lighten it up because we don't. There's too much out there to be serious about than to worry about what I talk about to be serious. Mine needs to be guidelines where you can stop and laugh, knowing that half of the stuff you've heard is never going to happen. It's never going to happen. You're not going to die. You're not going to hell. In Secrets of the Light, I wrote about the blue gray place, this place where people trap themselves, but it's a choice that they make. And why I wrote about it was so that if you find yourself there, you have to also remember you chose it. Like I read these books, about 3% of all near-death experiences have some kind of hellish experience, and most of them are ministers. Oh, Daniel, well, I'm sorry, we just got a few seconds left. Um, well, I love everybody. Can't wait to see the Conscious Life Expo. And everybody listening to the show, please ask two of your friends to listen to Ann. Thank you so much, Daniel. I hope you'll come on again. You have so much to share. I greatly appreciate it. Just call Cat Ann anytime. This is Ann Gelsheimer on Conscious Evolution Radio, and thank you so much to my guest, Daniel Brinkley. Thank you again for tuning in to Conscious Evolution Radio. Please join Ann Gelsheimer for another great show next Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. We hope to see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 